Welcome to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. Our topic today is the most important subject that a person can ever contemplate. It is the great truth of righteousness by faith, justification by faith. We're going to talk today about how long it takes for a person to be saved. There is not one person in a hundred who understands this subject. And this is one subject you've got to understand if you want to be saved. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. I want to talk now about Jesus because Jesus is our hope. The Bible tells me that Jesus is God. Did you know that? In the scriptures, Jesus is called God. In the scriptures, we are told to worship Jesus Christ because he is God. The Bible teaches that this great God became a man. The Bible teaches that when this virus invaded the human race, Jesus said, they are lost. And Jesus said, I am going to go down to them. And Jesus came down to this world and he became affected by our sin, but not infected with our sin. You see, Jesus, my friend, is the only man to have lived who was not a sinner. Jesus kept the law of God perfectly. He's the only man, friend, who ever kept the law of God perfectly. He was the only righteous man that this world has ever seen, the only sinless man. Now listen to this. The Bible says that in some way that you and I can't comprehend, some way that you and I cannot understand, Jesus took our sins upon him on the cross. And Jesus on the cross bore our sin. I'm going to talk about that now. And I want us to see that tonight as we've never seen it before. Because my friend, it is the greatest truth in all of creation. And I want tonight that you will see this. I've been talking for a few nights about the Sabbath. I spoke about the Sabbath for two nights. Listen to me. The Sabbath is a very important truth. But listen, my friend, no truth can come anywhere near this truth. This is the greatest truth in the Bible. Let's talk about that truth. And when we get that truth straight, every other truth is going to fall into place. Did you know that? I want you to come to page 1130. We're going to talk about something that most Christians do not understand, the mystery of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 1130. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is my favorite subject because it's the most important. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it's verse 21. 2 Corinthians, please turn to it. Chapter 5 and verse 
21, the Bible says. Have you got that text there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he made him to be sin for us. Did you see that? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you, please, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, I want you to say that text out loud with me. Then I'm going to talk about that text and we are going to pray that the Holy Spirit tonight is going to come in, into this meeting and God is going to reveal this truth to us. I want to tell you tonight, if you can only understand this truth, you are going to leave this place a brand new person. Did you hear that? I told you that we're born, we are sinners, you see. We are sinners. And if we stay in that state, we are going to be lost. But my friend, I want every man tonight to get out of that state and to become saved through Jesus. And we want that to happen tonight to everybody sitting here, to every man, to every woman, to every boy, and to every girl. So that if you didn't make it home tonight, you're going to make it home into God's kingdom. You see? And if you missed every other meeting, if, say, tomorrow you, you broke your leg and you couldn't come, through this meeting tonight, you are going to find the great fundamental of being saved. You see? That's what we've got to get through tonight. And everybody has to see this. This is tremendously important. Please, I want you, if you don't mind, to read this text with me and to read it out loud and to let the word sink down into your mind. Now, please, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So... Oh, you're doing good. That's great. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says, he made him who knew no sin. Now, my friend, do we know sin? Every person here tonight knows sin. My friend, we've lived with sin for so long that we know sin. Sin knows us and we know sin. But Jesus knew no sin. I want you to know tonight that Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God. And the Bible says, listen to this, the Bible says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean when it says that Jesus became sin for us? Does it mean that Jesus went around breaking the law of God? Does it mean that Jesus went around stealing? Does it mean that Jesus went around breaking the commandments? Does it mean that Jesus was a Sabbath breaker? Does it mean that Jesus was a thief? What does it mean? I want you now to look at some texts that describe the death of Jesus Christ. His death 
was unlike any other death that any man has ever experienced. I want you now, please, to come with me, if you don't mind, over here to Luke 22, page 1026, 1026, Luke 22. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 22. And I want you to notice, starting verse 39. Have you got it? Matthew, Mark. You know, what a wonderful group of people for a Saturday night. You know, when you look around, what a wonderful group of people for a Saturday night. I think it's, it's magnificent. Now, this is talking about Jesus. And it's talking about his last night, it says. And coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Then he said, Father, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, Jesus, my friend, is standing right here in the shadow of the cross. And Jesus is in the garden. And Jesus says, now look, Lord, please, if I can get out of this, I would like to do so. Do you know why? Because it was going to be so horrendous and so awful that Jesus wanted some way out. Then he goes on to say, it goes on to say, then an angel, notice the next verse, verse 43, an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Then it says, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. My friend, what, what is this talking about? Can we understand this? Here is Jesus. He's not on the cross, is he? Is Jesus on the cross? No. He's not on the cross. Jesus is in a garden, and Jesus is praying to God. But somehow, when Jesus is praying to God, he is seized by a supernatural dread or horror of darkness. And Jesus wrestles with that. And as Jesus prays, he says, God, if you want me to go through with this, then I will. But I wish there was some other way. And then he says, not my will, but yours be done. And then God sends down from the throne of glory a great angel. And the angel comes and strengthens Jesus to drink the cup of suffering. But while Jesus is there in the garden, before he gets to the cross, Jesus breaks out into a sweat and it's like drops of blood. As Jesus is on his knees in the garden and as he's wrestling there, the pain becomes so intense and it is not physical pain. The pain is so intense that great drops of blood are forced out through the pores of his skin. And he says, Lord, is there some way out of this, my friend? Why? You tell me, why is Jesus suffering before he gets to the cross? I will tell you why. God the Father, in a way that we do not understand, 
in a way that we do not comprehend, in some mysterious, awful way, had taken all of our sins. The sins of the entire human race. Your sins and mine and place them upon Jesus. And God was punishing him in our place. And that awful weight that he was carrying was so awful. It was so dreadful. It was so horrendous that he was trembling and he was trying to get away from it. And the blood was coming out from the pores in his skin. Listen, friend, no man has suffered more than Jesus. No man went through what Jesus went through because no man bore the sin of the human race. Jesus did. A lot of people think that Jesus is a great man. My friend, he was a great man. A lot of people think that he was a great martyr. Jesus was not a martyr. Did you hear that? Jesus was not a martyr. Jesus was a sacrifice. Jesus took our place and he went to the cross and he went to death in your place and in my place. Most people don't understand that. They don't understand the cross. They don't understand the darkness of the cross. But the cross, my friend, was a thing of incredible horror because on the cross hung the Son of God bearing our sin. That's what killed him, not the Romans. They didn't kill him. Come over here to page 965, Matthew 27. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew 27. And start here, please, at verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. Here it describes the, the tragedy, the glory, the shame, the wonder, the triumph of the cross. Matthew 27. Please notice it in the Scriptures. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, that's until... That's from midday until the ninth hour. That's till three in the afternoon. There was darkness over all the land. And then it says, and about the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, friend. When Jesus was hanging on the cross... Jesus was bearing the sin of every one of us sitting here tonight. He was bearing the sin of every man, every woman who had ever lived. God laid it upon him. And when God laid our sin upon him, God punished him in our place. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus did not die as a Christian. Did you hear that? Jesus did not die as a Christian, my friend, rejoicing in his Father's love. Jesus died as a doomed, cursed, lost 
sinner. And that's why he was sweating drops of blood. And that's why he was crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the sinless Son of God, the Bible says, became sin for us. He was cursed for us. He was punished for us so that we could be saved. I want to come here now to the blackboard. And I want to put up a little illustration on the blackboard. It's not a little illustration. It's a big illustration. And it's a very important one. Here is the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord. And on this side we are going to put Jesus. There is Jesus. And Jesus, my friend, Jesus is sinless. And Jesus, because he is sinless, has everlasting life. Jesus, as God, has everlasting life. He is sinless. And over here we're going to put us. And we, the Bible says, we are sinful. And because we are sinful, we have everlasting death. And the Bible says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus, look at it, friend. I can't understand this because it blows my mind. Jesus came and stood over here. Jesus came over here. And in the sight of God, he became the most sinful man. He became, he wasn't really. He was sinless. But he assumed our guilt. He became in the sight of God the greatest adulterer, the greatest liar, the greatest Sabbath breaker, the greatest fornicator, the greatest sinner. And God said, I am going to punish you for those sins. My friend, he was sinless, but he assumed our guilt. And he did that so that you and I, through faith in his cross, we can come and stand over here. We can be there. We can stand over here, my friend, and we can be accounted sinless and have everlasting life, not because we deserve it, but because it is a free gift. That is the glory of the gospel. And I'm glad to hear you clap. You ought to clap for that. Because the gospel, my friend, is the greatest news. Did you hear that? Do you know what this is telling you tonight? This is telling you that God must love you a lot. Don't you think? God must love you a lot. God must love these little kids sitting down here a lot. God must love everybody a lot because Jesus, my friend, went through hell so that I could go through heaven. He was treated as I deserve so that I might be treated as he deserves. He went through suffering so I, my friend, could go through salvation. You get it? Tremendous. Listen. 
The greatest truth in the Bible is this. God says, I love you. The greatest truth, the cross says, I love you. The cross says, I have died for you. The cross says, there is nothing worse than sin. Sin, if you hold on to it, is going to kill you. Did you hear that? Sin will kill you if we hold on to it. Listen, when people say, sin doesn't matter so much. Sin is so bad, my friend, it nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin, my friend, when we hold on to sin, we are spitting in the face of God. Did you hear that? Sin, my friend, hounded him to the cross. Sin drove in the nails. The Jews didn't kill him. The Romans didn't kill him. You and I killed him. Sin killed him. The sin of the human race killed him. My sin and yours. On one occasion, there was a Russian nobleman, hopelessly in debt. He had too many mortgages. And he was a Russian, not an American. A Russian nobleman. He lived a long, long time ago, hopelessly in debt. He had squandered his life's resources. He made out a great list one day of all of his creditors who were seeking for their money, seeking for payment. He wrote it all down and he totaled up the list and was more than he could ever, ever repay, more than he owed. And then he wrote across the list, who will pay all my debts? Who will pay all my debts? He said, who can help me? Who can pay my debts? Nobody can help me. And he left this great list lying on his study table and he fell across it, went to sleep in nervous exhaustion. Now he was a friend of Peter the Great, the Tsar of Russia, who was an impulsive man. And Peter walked in when his friend was sleeping and he saw there this great list of debts and he read the words, who can pay all my debts? And Peter the Great impulsively picked up his pen and wrote across the list, I, Peter the Great, will pay all your debts. My friend, when the human race became hopelessly ensnared in debt, God's own Son came down from heaven opened up his veins, his lifeblood, and with his own crimson ink, he wrote across the parchment, I, Jesus Christ, will pay all your debts, and he has. My friend, if this is true, and the Bible says it is true, there's no need of purgatory, you see. There's no need of purgatory, and there's no need of penance. There's no need of any of those things. Those things are frauds because they add to the cross of Christ, and nothing can add to the cross. The cross was God's greatest act in history, and when he said, I have paid with my blood all of your debts. Jesus did it on the cross. 
Our great problem is that many of us here perhaps tonight haven't accepted that forgiveness. You see? I want you to come to one of the most profound chapters in the Bible, please. I would like you to come over here to Romans chapter 3. The cross was once and complete. That is why the mass is so wrong. That is why the Catholic mass is so unscriptural. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the cross, the sacrifice of the cross was once and for all time. Only one sacrifice. Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10. And the, the mass is a sacrifice, you see. And so it's wrong. The Bible says one sacrifice for all men for all time. Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10. And notice with me, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Romans 3 and verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, even though all have sinned, the Bible says, all, A-double-L, may be justified freely through His grace. 